You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. I want to move forward. And then somebody comes in your life. And, you know, that's, you know, you know, I'm going all over the place. But the bottom line, man, it's just you continue to talk. There's a bridge out there with your dreams. You just got to step out of your comfort zone, man. And and as you wander through this life aimlessly at sometimes, but you keep speaking in the darkness and all of a sudden somebody gives you a bridge. Somebody reaches their hand out to you. Mm-hmm. Somebody just says, yo, I, I can help. Very true. And next thing you there, you're there, man. So that's why I say, man, be happy. Big Harry Audacious Gold, man. You deserve it. You, you, you're, you own it. You're more than average, baby. The We Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria, widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azreia.org. Good afternoon. We love equity real estate listeners. How are you guys doing today? Hey, you know what? Like I always am, I'm excited to be with you guys here today. And on today, I got a very, very special guest. So if you're looking at moving up to bigger things, if you're looking at doing some larger multi-family uh, and also hotels, I got a very special guest and a very special treat from you. We're going to talk about, you know, how he went from nothing, from rock bottom, and how he escalated itself and accelerated itself back to the top. So today I have real estate investor Michael Ely based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and he's going to share with you guys today kind of how he got started, how he went back down to zero, had to move in with his mom's back at 30 years old. And you guys know how that can be, you know, a crushing blow right there. And then how he picked himself back up. And now he's looking to buy, you know, hotels and larger multifamily. So Mike, man, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's happening, man? Thanks for having me on here, man. It's awesome, man. Man, thank you for being here, man. It's an inspiration to talk to somebody that's doing things on such a large scale. So guys, if you don't know who Mike is, we're going to give you some opportunity to connect with him a little bit later on in the show. But I guarantee you that this show is going to be some inspiration for you. So Mike, man, let's get ready. Let's rock and roll, man. So tell me, Mike, how did you get started in real estate? But before then, what was you doing prior to real estate? Man, before I, I, I got into real estate, man, uh, it, it kind of started back because the whole thing started when I was in high school, man. I wanted to get into real estate. You know, I was fascinated with money. And I'll never forget, I, I saw Carlton Sheets. Okay. And if anybody saw, remember him back in the day, man, that was pretty awesome, man. But the only thing he did, he, he always had people over leveraging, which, which is yep. what was my downfall. Uh, but no, man, I just started reading books, man. I really wanted to get into junk bonds. 
uh, back then. And, and, and I remember the initial investment was $50,000. So I put that book back on the shelf. <laughs> but dude, that, that ain't me. Right. Can't right. do that. Right. And so I ended up finding a Robert Allen, no money down, man. And that was the beginning of my career, man. And throughout college, I started doing concerts and parties, went down to Tuskegee University. Okay. And I mean, it was a great time there, created a large event there, but then I ended up getting a job in electrical construction, but really it was a package job. The, the boss liked the idea of me doing promotions. And oh. that's when I started doing concerts and work. And then I started actually acquiring real estate. You know, I didn't have any money, no credit. My credit was terrible. Okay. I was working three jobs. Literally, I, I would go in throwing newspapers, 12 in the, you know, basically midnight to two in the morning. And then after that, I would go to my nine to five. Then after the nine to five, I went down to the stadium and so ice cold beer for the Reds and the Bengals, baby. Okay. <laughs> and I saved up enough money and I bought my first two family. I paid off all my bad debt, paid my student loans off, and I was 27 years old, man. It wasn't too much you could tell me. I, I, I was living rent-free. The mortgage was $700. I ended up getting a roommate and a tenant. I got a roommate on the roommate for my unit and a, a tenant on the second floor. My mortgage was $700. The rent collected was $700. And I was like, I am rich. Rich. Don't have to do nothing no more. I thought, huh? I, was, <laughs> thought I was big. No, no, no condo payment. <laughs> right. Everything paid off. So let me ask you, let me ask you this, Mike, man. So in college, you was doing promotions and entertainment and stuff like that. So you was just out hustling. Yeah, that was it, man. I was okay. always trying to figure out the bag, man. Okay. Okay. So you was out there hustling. And then you came up with this down payment for this, this two-flat multi-unit. How did mm -hmm. you find that? Man, <laughs> I know this so, seems so long ago, but I found it in, I don't even remember what you, what you call that part of the section of the newspaper, all them ads or whatever. Oh, the classifieds. The classifieds. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> you, you, you going way back, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about that, man. Like, yeah, nobody does that. <laughs> no. Yeah, in the newspaper, man, all the newspapers, man, they always had a classified section. It was real estate. And that's where I looked and the guy was advertised, sell for rent to own. Okay. And I, again, I didn't have any credit and have a lot of cash, but this guy was willing to finance the deal. And that was the beginning of my career. Wow. Okay. So you, you he did a seller finance for okay. you. So guys, if you don't know what seller financing is, it's real brief. It's the owner becomes the bank. Instead of you going out, getting a traditional mortgage, the owner becomes the bank and the owner says, okay, well, I'll sell you this property for $150,000 and you bring in you know, 5%, 2%, 10%, whatever you guys discuss, and then That's you will make your mortgage payments directly to the owner. That's right. All and right. it's a win-win. I mean, you, you, he's getting more. Typically, if they do it right, uh, he's got somebody paying a premium rent. He doesn't have to deal with the management. He don't have to deal with the maintenance. Yep. And it's up to you. And typically, if he would have tried to sell it himself, he probably wouldn't got as much money. I think I paid like 70000 for that. Okay. That probably was probably worth, you know, if he would sell it on the regular market, he probably only got 55, 60, 62. Okay. So you get a premium for, you know, carrying all that. And, and, and he, he still enjoyed the cash flow. So it was a win win.
Right. And it was a benefit for you. Cause like you said, you had horrible credit. You really didn't have a ton of money. So it was like, okay, I can get into this without me really putting up a whole lot and, you know, stretching yeah, I mean, myself in order to do it. And I had $3,000 left to my name and wow. the guy wanted, I think 3000 down. Okay. And, and, and one of the things I learned, you can give, you can give people exactly what you want. You just got to be creative. And so I read that in a book. And so what I actually did was like, look, I'll give you the 3000 down. Mm -hmm. um, I said, but you know what? I'm going to pay you monthly. So I'm going to pay you a thousand down to kick it off. Then for the next 30, 60 days, I'm going to pay you another thousand each month. Each month. And that's how I paid them off. And that's how I got in my first deal. I mean, they even financed my down payment, basically. See, there you go. And that's what I tell people, Mike. I tell people is you got to think creatively. You got to think outside of the box. And you can't be afraid to ask for what you want. Hey, man, uh, if you don't ask, you don't, you won't receive, man. You, Closed mouth don't get fed, man. Squeaky wheel gets the oil, baby. That's right. That's right. So you got to get out there, guys. You got to get out there and talk and let people know exactly what you're doing hey, and hey, how you're doing it. Hey, like we say, barbecue and mildew, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. So what tell we going to do around here? We're going to barbecue, baby. <laughs> All right. So tell me, Mike. So you got off to a good start, man. What happened after that? And I'm going way back. So we're going in a way back machine and we're going to bring it up to current. I want people to understand what you had to do and what you had to go through. So after that, I ended up getting a four family, two four families, which I, again, I didn't have a lot of money down. I actually got the realtor to put up their, their commission, commission as my down payment. Because wow. I had to bring, I don't know, three or six thousand, or I needed three thousand, or I needed six thousand. Either way, when I needed like five thousand dollars, maybe more, and I was like, "Look, man, I can pay you at closing. So as long as we close the deal, we good. Because and I'm gonna close it on the first of the month." And he was like, "Why on the first of the month?" I said, "Well, on the first of the month, I'm gonna get all the deposits. Yep, I'm gonna get all the rent." And back then, they brought all the checks to the closing. They didn't credit your, you know, now, yeah, give me, don't credit <laughs> nothing. Give me all that money. And they gave me a check. And I literally, at closing, I ended up getting 4000 back. Yeah, I think, I can't remember how much, but yep. bottom line, whatever I received, I literally wrote a check, signed the check over to him, paid him off, gave him interest. And I was in another deal with no money down. And it was two, four families that rented for like four or $500 a month for, no, I don't even think it was that money. It was like three fifty dollars to $400. Okay. Yeah, I was getting two bedrooms. And so then that paid my, my car note and my insurance. So, you know, now I'm, I've stepped up. I went from Biggie to Dave Chappelle. Right, right. Oh, you no, really oh, Rick James. Hey, Rick, <laughs> Rick no, James. I'm the Rick James. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> and so, so then after that, man, Let's see. Then I got that two family I was living in rent free. The two family next door to me came up. I ended up getting that. That guy ended up financing my second mortgage. So the car, wow. the car to sheet stuff worked, right? Okay. Yep. But but and, and, and it was actually pretty good. And then I think I bought 
I ended up getting another four family in Avondale, all two bedrooms. Again, I had the owner finance the down payment. I mean, I was doing really good until I got these two full service car washes. Okay. So before I we go to the car, before we go to the car washes, Mike, slow down. Let me yep, go back. Slow down. Slow down. Yep, so, yep, yep. Let's go back. So you're doing the Carlton, Carlton sheets, no money down, all of this kind of stuff. What was the neighborhoods like that you was, you was picking these properties up in? Oh, yeah. 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 Come on, no. be be real with us. Oh, I ain't no real. <laughs> I started off in the DNF neighborhoods, but I, I was in low. Well, I started off in the West Side, which was Westwood. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a war zone, but it was it was definitely D plus C minus. Okay. Um, and, and but that was where you could start, and I understood those neighborhoods, and it was it was a low low barrier entry like you didn't mm -hmm. you know stuff wasn't selling for no 70 100,000 200,000 I could buy these houses for 10 15 20 grand and cash flow and get the same kind of return cash flow wise yep. as the other areas now appreciation wise that didn't so so what that means is and in Westwood, I could be all in something for 30, 35,000. I could rent it for six, 700. I could still get that uh, 12 to 18% cash on cash. But after five or six years, the house probably still worth 35,000. Yeah. Right. So I just had a lot of great cash flow properties starting off. And I mean, it was great. Mm -hmm. It was great. But then I, I kind of lost my job. Uh, you know, to this day, I don't know. And now, now my buddy, he passed away, so we can't get him to confirm it. But I don't know if they fired me or laid me off. It was, it was one of the in-betweens. <laughs> was, was, was it on your day off, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. My man, Mike Griffey, man, God bless him, man. Rest his soul, man. He passed away. But he was literally my boss, my mentor, my first investor. And uh, I miss him dearly, but uh, you know, he was one of the first guys that believed in me, man, and 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 showed me the way. He owned his own electrical construction company, man, and I that was one of the things that helped catapult me into doing my own thing, man. Started, I I would see people that look like me and grew up like me, and and they were doing their things, not just them, but you know, I had a different perspective, different environment, mm -hmm. which allowed me to continue to grow, and and you know, just know that was possible. Well, and the, and the main reason why I asked you about what neighborhoods, because a lot of people have this idea of you got to be in the C plus B neighborhoods in order to really make some money. And I always tell them, I said, look, people in the lower end of the spectrum, they need housing also. So, right. you know, those D, D minus neighborhoods, I don't know about the Fs, but, you know, the D and the D minus neighborhoods. You know, and the C minus, these people still need need places to live too. And like you said, they're gonna cash flow good, but you're not gonna get that appreciation. So it's kind of like, man, I'm glad you said that. I mean, but that's kind of the thought process, man. You know, get in where you fit in. Yep. And so, you know, I understood those neighborhoods. You know, I had other friends, you know, naturally they're white guys. They they knew the nicer neighborhoods, but I ain't grew up around them. Right. I, you know, one of my friends, so I was actually scared of those neighborhoods. Yep. Right. This is what I knew. And so, but it created a, such a great skill set for me. I was in these low-income neighborhoods, low-income tax credits, and 
it taught me out of the box thinking on how to manage, how to how to lease, because, you know, if these weren't desirable neighborhoods, you couldn't just go out and lease properties like other people. You know, yep. I had what they call guerrilla marketing. I had I literally went to all the bars, all the stores, because, you know, at the time, Internet was picking up, but it still wasn't as prevalent. But mm -hmm. it really was prevalent in those neighborhoods because they didn't have Internet or they didn't even have a computer and you didn't have a smartphone. Right. like that at the time. And so I would literally put these tear-offs in all the neighborhoods that they were in, and I would go to all these different agencies. And because of my out-of-box thinking, man, I was leasing 30-something. Matter of fact, I had a 48-unit building I bought, and it only had eight, unit, eight tenants. Wow. I went down to an agency and leased the whole thing up in nine, less than 60 days. So you so you had to lease up 40 units in That's 60 right. days. Well, I ain't had to lease it. I, I was it was supposed to take six months, but I was like, <laughs> I ain't doing all that work. See, one thing, man, people got real, I'm lazy, man. I ain't trying uh -huh. to do all that. What's the best way to get this done real quick? And yep. I have been I already had had success with you know working with agencies, and that's how I did it. And so even when I was in the West End, before now, the West End is now this over the run. It's like a, a number of the, well, like a top five place to be in the country, right? And since I, I leased that whole neighborhood up in a short period of time, all because wow. I didn't use traditional marketing. Okay. And, but, so. and, it, and, it, and it did extremely well. But understand, when you're in D and F neighborhoods, it's more management intensive. Yes, you can make money. But no, you're going to have to spend a lot more time. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're just starting, you don't have a lot of capital, you don't have a lot of resources, hey, whatever, do what you got to do till you get there. Yep. Uh, but but if you can, man, starting off in a C neighborhood is great. Yep. Right? Yep. You don't have to, but if you try, but to understand when you get D and F, it gets a little more challenging to hire the right management group because everybody can't manage a DNF mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I will tell you the difference to give you an idea, like when I was managing DNF properties, you know, tenants would call me in November, right? Like, yeah, November, like Mr. Mike, I was like, yeah, what's going on? I'm gonna be late with my rent. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, how late? Uh, I have it in February. February. Like, <laughs> right. What happened? Well, it's the holidays and Christmas and all this, and, and I was like, "Well, shit." But right. you know, but but if you knew the tenant and work with them, man, they pay you like because they was like, "Look, I'm gonna give you my my check, my refund check, and that's it." And and they like clockwork, like different mm -hmm. strategy. But when I moved to C and B properties, man, it was like heaven, man. These people would call me and my C properties on the 31st, like, Mr. Mike, I'm going to be late on my rent. I was like, what's well, late? I'm going to have it to you on the 2nd. Right. <laughs> hey, let that happen again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, boy. But like you said, man, it's different management styles for the different right. neighborhoods you know That's so right. like when you are in the lower income or the lower yeah the lower income neighborhoods it's mm -hmm. not that they they don't have it it's just that they they trying to manage things a little bit differently that's right you know? so they have good intentions to pay and you just have to do a lot more handholding that's you know? right and i tell people you know when you're starting if you can't start in that c and b class neighborhoods 
go down to the DNF neighborhoods. You'll you'll get your training wheels popped off of you real quick. And you'll you learn how to manage properties. That's right. That's right. You know, That's so right. so Mike, tell me, I mean, you you got this saying, share your perspective on opportunities and problems and how your eye helped you buy these units. Cause I know you was talking about that 48 uh, unit property. Yeah, I mean, like the Chinese word, the, the, the Chinese word was the opportunity is actually problems. And so, you know, translated in English. And so, you know, we just see the more is a problem, the more is an opportunity for me. Like I, mm -hmm. those are the deals I like going after. Those are the deals people don't want. And those are the deals that have the one, some of the greatest returns. Like I, I knew the highway was coming and it was all these abated properties all around the highway. Nobody wanted them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, give me all of that. Right. $1,500. I was buying for $800, $1,500 a piece. Wow. And I ended up selling each one of them for like eighty to one hundred and eighty thousand. Wow! And so it was, you, I, you know, but just like taking information and not leveraging it, like that—that's one of the great reasons why I always suggest people to get you a mentor, get you a teacher, get you a coach. Yep. The the reason why I mean. Don't get me wrong. I, I was I was you know I was in some of these listeners' same shoes, man. I got I had the skill set or it didn't have enough. But at the time, I did have a skill set. I, I kind of knew what I was doing. At least mm -hmm. I thought. Okay, but I, I you know I was already had I don't know hundred units or something like that, one hundred fifty. So I'm doing okay, and but I didn't want to pay to get to class like them classes. You know, and it's kind of standard rate, fifteen hundred dollars. Right. And then right. If, after you take that basic class, then they do the upcharge Excel, yeah. and or 20 or 30, whatever the price was. And man, now that I'm coaching, I'm coaching my kids and I'm coaching students. And oh my gosh, every single one of them get on my nerves, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're doing so well, man. I mean, if I would have just sat and listened to somebody and let them guide me and pay the money. The money is priceless. Matter of fact, really the money only show, it depends on whose eyes you're looking at, but really most of your teachers, yep, they yep. really, the ones that are passionate, like I am, we would teach people for free. For free. Yep. Yep. But if you don't make them put some type of commitment out there, they're not going to value it. Yep. And they won't do anything. You can tell them from start to finish, A to Z, this is what you yeah. need to do. They won't do it. But as soon as you make them pay 5000 10000 20000 then they're going to say, okay, you know what? I better do this because I, I got some skin in the game. That's right. And, and that, that, that was, yeah, I mean, but go get you a mentor. It's going to take some time. It'll take some, it'll take some wrinkles off your eyes and, 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 and but it just buys you time. I mean, like in football, man, the whole football game has changed, man. And uh, I was coaching my son and a couple other kids and they, they were pretty, they were decent football players. Like what, what, but, what, what, cause we got something in common, man. What, how old is your son? What, where are you? So playing? my son is 12. He'll be 13 in August. I coached the seventh and eighth grade team. I coached the okay. defense. And then my younger son, he's going into the third grade at eight. 
and and they're playing. I'll be coaching them, but this is this is really my last year with my son, so I'm focusing on him this year. Gotcha. And, Likewise, uh, man. My son started at eight. He's twelve now. Coached him all of those four years, uh -huh. and this is probably going to be my last year coaching because I'm just ready for him to really get out there and school. blossom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, one of the things was, you know. Back then, it was go hit him, throw it to Billy. He gonna be open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Run, run, just run. <laughs> no, it's, it's so much precision. There's so much technique. Yep. There's so much like every step is precise. Mm -hmm. Every move, every release, and when you have a teacher that's knowledgeable, man, you could. A, a, a rap, they say it takes 10,000 hours to master something. Yep. If you got a teacher that really knows the game, you could coach somebody in hours. Mm -hmm. And now they have the blueprint. But now if they're practicing perfectly for 10,000 hours, just imagine how great they were and how fast they get there. And I say all that, I showed my my son and kids and they, they first time going to a football camp and everybody was all over them. Each mm -hmm. one of them kids. It was like they look like they just look like they know what they they didn't even because see them was, play. It was ahead of the curve. They the footwork, the way they turned, the way they planted, the way they caught the ball. It was like they look like naturals. So I was like, now look, don't you say that now. Right, like, right. Don't, <laughs> don't blow the heads up. <laughs> yeah, and that's I was like, dude, that's a thousand catches right there. Yep. You want to know why it looked natural? He did it a thousand times. He still got nine thousand more to go. to go. You know, that's one thing, man. Seeing the opportunity, but man, get you a mentor teacher and, and they can help you speed through that and still be yourself. And then the other thing is, even before you get in that, man, you, you know, mindset is everything. And so one of the reasons why I am successful, I thought outside the box and not only just outside the box, I, I thought big because mm -hmm. I, I, and, but it was because I, I, my surroundings were my environment, the things I got to experience was different. And I saw wealthy people. Yeah. And, and I saw, and the wealthy people were smiling. They had Happy. nice talk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they had this spirit that was just real different than, you know, a happy day. Like, right. And that's a deep, like, deep heart in the gut chuckle and that happens all the time. And just life has no problems look. You know, I was like, mm -hmm. I want that. I want that. And, but you know, now I'm not going to say somebody get that. You still got to put that work in. And so I learned uh, that, you know, you just need to have a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. Just ridiculous. Like it's unbelievable. When people yep. see it, they jump back uh, appalled. Like, how dare you there think you, like that? Yes. Like you immediately get a hater that is so big. And because I thought like that, you know, I didn't think I was just going to do one hotel. I want a billion dollars worth of hotels. See? Guess what? Because I thought like that, I worked at it. It took me five years. I lost money. You know, I told you, well, we didn't get into a, a lost money yet, but I no. lost money again after I moved in with my mom and dad. And we'll come back to that. But I lost money on a development. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I wanted a hotel. And I lost 150000 Combined, it was 400000 Wow. And... But I learned from that. 
And now another five years later, after getting my first hotel, I'm doing another large $70 million development. And so if I didn't think like, first of all, when here's, here's the science behind it is, 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 is prayers, meditation is scientific, man. Like you, you, you're, you're hypnotizing yourself. Once you begin to start speaking in these languages, mm-hmm. you start attracting these things. That's so very true. Right. You, and, and like it gets embedded in your speaker and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you wake up thinking about, well, how am I going to get a hotel? You start asking the questions. questions. Yeah. You know, it's like, like some people like you just thinking it happens. No, you literally keep talking. And because you keep talking, you keep, you'll attract people in your speech. That, like, yeah. you know, I want to get in this hotel. And, and look, you have no idea what you're doing, which was me. Mm-hmm. And they were like, really? You want to do a hotel? You know what? My man's doing a hotel. Yeah. And it's like, you should meet him. Yeah, then they talk with to him. You. Then I'm talking with him. And he was like, really? That's surprising. This is what we do. And then you get even more interest. And then you bring up another guy. Well, this guy does this. And this guy, next thing you know, you're comfortable. And you're like, I want to move forward. And then yep. somebody comes in your life. And, you know, that's, you know, you know, I'm going all over the place. But the bottom line, man, it's just you continue to talk. There's a bridge out there with your dreams. You just got to step out of your comfort zone, man. And and as you wander through this life aimlessly at sometimes, but you keep speaking in the darkness and all of a sudden somebody gives you a bridge. Somebody reaches their hand out to you. Mm-hmm. Somebody just says, yo, I, I can help you. Very true. And actually in there, you're there, man. So that's why I say, man, be happy. Big, hairy, audacious goal, man. You deserve it. You, you, you're, you own it. You're more than average, baby. And you know what the thing is, Mike? We all have the capability to do it. We all yeah. have the capability to do it. But it's these four inches in your head that either speak you up, speak you to go out and build hotels and buy hotels, mm-hmm. or speak you down and say, man, what makes you think you can go out and buy a hotel? Who buys a hotel? Oh man. And don't think, and don't think them voices don't go away, man. I, 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 I still get them. Mm-hmm. Man, that guy's still over there. Like, dude, really? You really, really? gonna do that? Right. Really? Yeah, I am. I am. How you going to do it? I have no, no idea. Yeah. We're going to figure it out. And you know, I, I just, and look, man, I, I wish I could tell you I was this brilliant guy that just really know how to do things. And uh, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not a dummy. I'm not, I, I was, I was good in school, uh-huh. but like, like just to give you an idea, like I wasn't smart, like smart to me is like, I never forget this girl, Vanita. She was my roommate and, and in my classmate in college. And I never forget when he was gone for like two weeks. I was like, what the hell are y'all doing, man? She was with her mom and just traveling. And then she come back. The day before an uh, exam, right? Wow. And she wow. says, Mike, I was like, I was like, Vanita, you know we got a test tomorrow. We do? Well, show me. I'm like, all right, but man, man, I don't know how you're going to figure this out. But right. I'm, I spent an hour breaking everything down for her. Man, that son of a biscuit, when she got a test back, got an A plus. I got a B minus. And so I was like, that's so smart. You Right. You know what I'm saying? That's smart. But the difference between us smart people and, and guys like me and you is just we just don't quit. I just, you know, once I figure out a, a, a dream, a goal, I make the commitment and I stay disciplined and I just keep working until we obtain it. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. And what happens is, so, you know, most smart people, they quit after the first, second or third time, man. Why? Because yeah. they get frustrated. It didn't come easy to it them. It didn't come easy. Yeah. Right. And so with me, I tried, I was always like, say, 597 more times. And on the 600 try, not not the 10th, not the 20th, not the 100th, the 600th try, I figured it out. Yep, things start to break. So so let me ask you this, Mike, because you talk about persistence and discipline and everything like that. You have built up this portfolio of rentals and you lost it all, man. How did that happen? And how did you pick yourself back up? Man. Because I know you having these self-limiting beliefs now. You're like, man, I didn't I didn't got everything and I lost it all. Mike, you so stupid. How you lose out everything? Mike, That's what you right, gonna man. do now? I went, man, literally went back to the lab, man. So I, I, like I said, I ended up getting about 15, 20 units total, two full service car washes. And what was my downfall, I shifted to something else, which was car washes. I should have stayed with real estate, mm-hmm. but I wanted to learn, you know, I, I wanted to make money, you know, right. chasing the bag. And so, but I didn't have any structure. I didn't have any reserves. I didn't have a strategy or a plan. I just went out there and did it. Now, not to say I didn't do any research. I just, I didn't have a budget. And so when the rainy days came and literally, you know, your mom said, mom and dad save for a rainy day, literally in the car wash business, man, nobody told me April showers, May flowers was a real deal. (laughs) (laughs) And, And literally, man, April and May, two years in a row, it rained every day and kind of shut my car wash down. Wow. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do nothing. Like literally I would drive to the car wash and it'd be like this black crowd. Like literally I'm driving to work. Clouds are clear. But as soon as I get to the car wash, it was just black and rain. Worn down. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, this can't be true, man. <laughs> and then in the midst of that, I had nine 11 and the race riots. Okay. And this all happened within a year and a half, man. And I, I ain't gonna lie. I, I quit. But it wasn't, I can't even say I quit. It was just, it was a wrap, man. Like, mm-hmm. no business. I didn't have money. I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. And that took me all the way down. And then I started losing everything. Okay. And I even almost lost my mind and got evicted from my own home. And and then at that time, and I even got, what? Well, yeah, let's see. Is that, the, yeah, I was couch surfing. Okay. And then I'll never forget, I even got arrested. Wow. I got arrested. I'll never forget because when they were foreclosing on me back in the day, man, they were such a big foreclosure and fines. When they foreclosed on me, they never took the property out of my name. They waited till like, even after they foreclosed, they should transfer it out of your name in, you know, three, four weeks. They waited over eight months to transfer it out of my name because it's a process to, back then it was a process to get it and then resell it. They were literally almost waiting till they resold it to transfer out of my name. So in the meantime, these buildings were getting fines. And next thing you know, by the, cities, get, and, by the yep. city and stuff like and that, I, okay. And then uh, I'll never forget the car, uh, getting a car accident, it wasn't my fault, and the guy totaled it. And I just had that car, like it was just raining and poor. Like I had two or three cars get totaled, man. One was parked on the street. Bam, that's all I had. But I was kind of actually happy because I was about to get the car repo. Repo, right. So that saved you. (laughs) I was like, I'll never forget that guy hit my car. 
and he was almost knocked out. I was like, oh my gosh, you okay? You okay? He was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you got insurance? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you better, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I didn't even have insurance on my car, man. I think I had liability. And so I lost that. And then I remember borrowing some money. from. Oh, I took that money from the car and and I borrowed a little bit of money. And then I bought a, a, my, my, my sister-in-law's car. And that car got totaled. But then I got arrested. And, but you know, I'll never forget calling my mom, Mama, come get me a <laughs> made for this. <laughs> right. There's some things I could do, but this ain't one of them right here. And, but yeah, I, I lost that. And then, you know, I ended up moving back home with my mom. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks to my mom and dad. And, and this is at 30. At 30, man. Went back to the lab, man. And I figured it out. And so, I ended up getting two investors that I went to school with, man, Keith and Old Dale. And so uh, before, before we do that, Mike, let's take a brief break, hear a word from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we want to talk about how you lift yourself up you know, off the pavement and got to where you're going right now. So yes, let's hear a brief break from our sponsors and we'll be right back with Michael Ely. Finding real estate deals can be a challenge, but with Batch Leads, it doesn't have to be. Batch Leads has created a one-stop solution for all your real estate needs. So you can find more sellers, close more deals and maximize revenue. Batch Leads offers a comprehensive suite of lead generating tools that cover text messaging, skip tracing, finding comps, and much more. Batch leads help you simplify, manage, and organize all your data in one place. Batch will help you stack your lists and identify properties that appear on multiple lists and have multiple distress indicators. These sellers are likely to be highly motivated and eager to sell. Get the most powerful and complete lead generation platform in the industry. Locate sellers, buyers, and lenders nationwide in seconds. Go to Batchly.io and use promo code WeLoveEquity. All right, guys, we are back with Michael Ely, real estate investor based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. We are talking about how he went from the bottom to the top, back down to the bottom. Now we're going to talk about his rise back to the top. So I wanted Mike on today to let you guys know that you got to have a certain level of persistence, grit, and determination in order to do this. You know, Mike didn't start out with 100000 in the bank, 200000 in the bank. He started out with a little bit of nothing. And I'm pretty sure some of you guys that's listening, you know, putting your hands in your pockets and coming up with lint, and you thinking the same thing. I really don't have much. How can I get started in real estate? And Mike is going to share with you now how he picked himself back up, you know, after being down and hitting rock bottom. So, Mike, tell us, man, how did you do it? You said you went back into the lab. Yeah, man. And then I was like, man, I know what I'm doing, but to, to I end up getting my real estate license. And then I studied more. I read everything from religion to businesses to how people came in power. And, and I put it to work. And so I ended up coming across two deals where I bought one. Well, I ended up getting investors and I worked at for a fee. I okay. took a realtor fee, took a, a, a management fee. I took a construction management fee. And when I sold it, I took a fee. And so with that, you know, I found a deal, let's say it was 
27,000. They put 10,000 in work. I took fees all the way across to manage it. And then I ended up selling it for 60,000. So I ended up putting 15, 20 in their pocket. I put seven in my pocket. I did all the work and they were completely hands off. They were passive investor. And then I did it again for another investor. Then after that, I realized I got it. Right. And then as I kept working at it, just people reached out to me. I'll never forget. I had a phone call. The guy was looking for a four family. And that call ended up being my real first big investor. He lent me 200,000 at 2%. I'm sorry, wow. 200,000 at 10%, two points. Okay. And that was the beginning. And I'll start buying properties, flipping them. And I, I would flip right with his money. And, and I'll have other properties like a single family in Westwood that I have this money as well. But I'll flip this property. I'll net 30, 40 grand. I'll take 30 of that, pay that loan off mm-hmm. with him. Now on that free and clear, I'll take another 5,000, put it away to pay my bills for the next two, three months. And I kept it moving. And I just kept building. I, I didn't buy the car. I didn't buy the watches. I didn't buy the clothes. I didn't do anything, man. I just kept reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting. Okay. And then I got into multi-units. So you was you you found this investor that that really was loaning you the money. He was the bank. So instead of you That's going right. to the bank, because you couldn't, because you had cars foreclosed, properties foreclosed, and everything like that. That's right. No credit, no cash. Yep. And and it was all on this relationship, basically. That's right. And that's what I tell people is you got to get out there and you got to have these relationships. So now after you started doing this for a while, Mike, how did you pivot into the larger multifamilies and then hotels, man? That's, that's, it seems almost mind boggling how you went from the bottom and then you, you worked by flipping and now you're in larger multifamilies and hotels. The season, the season opportunities, man. That was it. I was, I ended up being a, I was, remember I was on the state, I got my realtor license and I transferred to this group that they were doing developments. So I would just watch what they were doing. And one day they come in, it was like, yo, we got this 28 unit we don't want. I think you guys, you were into that. I was like, yeah, he's like, you can manage it. And it's got reserves. And, you know, it had 16,000 in reserves. Like you can have it. And if you like it, buy it. And I was like, what do you need? Nothing. I'll, I'll come back and buy it from you in two or three years. And that was the beginning of me doing larger units. And then I closed. I was successful. I did what I said I was going to do. And then a portfolio came out. And I ended up buying three or four more units. And every deal, we made money. And we just, we, I learned so much. And I put my own management team together. And that was it. And, I, and then they got to the point, they were like, I don't know how you're doing it, but here's another 150 units. I want you to manage it for us. Wow. And then, and then, then I'll never forget relationships. Had a previous partner. We went our own ways and he got in trouble. His, my, his name is Nate Barger. And I said, <laughs> I said, look, man, he was like, man, he was filing bankruptcy. Okay. He was like, man, I don't know. And I and he I'll never forget he called me. It was like, man, I'm struggling. I'm in bankruptcy and this. And he was like, and I started laughing. He was like, man, what the hell are you laughing for, man? I'm telling y'all my right, problems. Right. I said, man, you this is the best time ever to ever be in this situation. situation. See, mm-hmm. I look like like I said, I look at problems as opportunities. I was like, dude, we're gonna kill it, man. Watch what we do. 
And I helped him that he, he, none of his investors lost any money. We got him every penny of that dollar back. Plus I ended up buying some of the properties back. We structured short sales. We structured buying the debt. We bought it at discounts and then we resold it and he flipped some of them. And then he still had investors. And then between that relationship, when I brought a portfolio deal, he, he funded it. He got his investor to fund it. And then we just kept growing. And then there was another opportunity for 48, and I forget this 48 unit that I told you I rented in 90, 60 days. We were going to flip it because we was like, man, ain't nobody going to pay a million something for this. Uh-huh. You know, we thought it was only worth 600000 at the most. So we was like, we'll just flip it. Because we, we bought it for two hundred, I was like, "We'll flip it for three hundred. I was like, "Who wouldn't want to make a hundred grand?" Hundred grand, but right? He was like, "Nah, we're gonna do this." I was like, "Okay, whatever." Mm-hmm. And then I ended up being our first deal. We netted a million dollars. Wow! So you converted yeah. that that forty eight unit, completely renovated it, held it, and then resold it. That's right. Took me five six years. Learned a lot. Learn the biggest thing is don't be cheap. Fix it at the beginning. Don't wait. Like if the cabinets are rotted, don't don't halfway do it. Just pull the right. board. Man, replace the cabinet. Replace the fixtures. It'll save you heartache. And you look, man, you'll make more money. The more that is fixed up and easy to use, the less your, your maintenance calls will go down. People ain't going to complain. And because what happens, every time something breaks, it always breaks. And that part, it, you got to tin it in there or you can't get the part, right? Mm-hmm. It should be a simple fix. Right. And But it, just understand, if you would have just did that from did the very the right beginning, way. you wouldn't even have to deal with this. So, very so no, man, that, 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 we kept getting on feet and then we just kept doing larger and larger multi-units. And then when another person came, we either partnered with somebody that were more skilled than us or they can manage better paperwork. For working systems. Had, yeah, but we were vertically integrated. We had the construction. We knew where the deals were. And that was majority of the battle. Wow. Man, that's 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 great how you laid that out. And a lot of it, what I'm hearing, again, is having the right perspective, being able to see the unseen. That's, that's one. Right. You know, and then two, the power of those relationships, you know, leveraging those relationships, you know, that way – you can provide a service for them and they're providing a service for you. And then three, the power of leverage. You know, we talked about oh, leveraging re- relationships, but then leveraging, you know, the money that the other people had and the skill sets that they had. Because one of the things that you said, Mike, was they may have had better processes, better systems. And we yes. said, okay, well, we can step back. We yes. don't we don't have it as good as y'all do. Y'all step in and y'all help us with this because the whole end goal was, you know, to turn these properties around and make them profitable on the back end. That's right. So yeah, no, we just we were just creative and man, we just again, when we saw something, we didn't really think about it. We just did it. You know, we that analysis paralysis, man. We're like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, man, I'm tired of talking about it. do something. Just do something. Yep. Yep. And that's when I was, I was listening to, it was 50 cents book and he had a chapter oh, on man. I, 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 I was, I was so surprised at that book, man. Me too, oh, man. Book. Because I was, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a whole bunch of rap fluff and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But he has some true gems in yes. that book. Yes. And 
one of the things that he talked about that I liked, he was like, man, sometimes you just got to do stuff. You got to yeah. stop thinking about it. And you just got to get out there. And you just got to do it. Even though you don't have the processes, you don't know the systems and everything like that. Just like you said, you just got to get out there and start doing it slowly, but surely the stuff that you need will start to come to you. The people that you need to reach out to, you'll start building those relationships and everything like that. So Mike, man, you, you gave us some, some good stuff on today. Before we wrap up, you know, just give us a brief introduction, dude, how you went from the multifamilies to buying hotels. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things, man, when I was buying apartments, what really pushed me to that, to hotels was, you know, I was buying them DNF neighborhoods. My kids were young and they were, you know, two, three, four, whatever, five years old. And I was like, man, I can't keep buying over here, man. Like, I can't live this as a legacy. They, they can't manage this. I need something that they could manage. And so we start stepping up into B properties. But one thing I saw was, these hotels and how high hands off you could be and how if you put a management team or hire one, you can, you can hire quality and competent managers. Yeah. And with that, by hiring that you could be hands off. And even if you know, you check out of here, you could put somebody else in there that's just as qualified. Mm -hmm. And so we just went after it. And, but I had to put a team together. I went and found a, a oper operating team that's been in the industry. Each and every one have been in the game for over 30, 35 years, a multi-skilled set and, and, and found an investor. I mean, it was because of them, I was able to get in the game. If everybody just looked at me, you know, first question, well, how many hotels you've done? What makes you think? I mean, because even it. Buying, you know, buying hotels way harder than buying a regular single family or multifamily unit. The reason why banks like they, even if you don't really have a skill set and multifamily, they will still lend money to you. But in hotels, you can have the net worth. And if they don't see that you ran or operate hotels or you don't have an operator, you don't have the right team in place, they're not going to give you nothing. And you could be a bill. I know billionaires that couldn't get funded or get a franchise agreement because they had no, no experience, experience in the hospitality. Wow. Yeah. Cause there is a lot of moving pieces, you know, when it comes oh to hospitality, God. it's not just the property really is more customer service and management driven than anything. Yeah. yeah but it, it's a lot of moving pieces, but you know, what happens, some people get so caught up in the, 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 the grid of it, you know, I give the big picture and we go from there. Okay. Okay. Sounds good, man. I'm definitely going to have you back on so we could talk about this hotel. We kind of just kind of scratched the surface on that. Right. But Mike, man, I want to put you, you know, on a hot seat real quick. I'm going to put Mike on a hot seat. Mike, what would you do differently starting out if you would do anything differently? Man, if anything, I probably would have got a teacher earlier. That's, that's it. I don't think I would do anything different. I, I would have, no, the biggest thing I would have got me a teacher. I would have got yeah. some people to help me in the game. But the bottom line, you just got to go out there and do it and just don't quit. There that's it. Go. Okay. So that, that kind of answers the second question is what, what is one characteristic you believe every high producing investor needs? I'll just say one that you constantly said throughout this whole podcast was, persistence and grit. I mean, because it, it don't come easy and a lot of stuff comes at you, man. 
And so just take what you can manage and go from there. Don't overwhelm yourself. It'll all come together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And share with us, man, we ain't even get a chance to talk about your book, From Broke to Millions. Share with us your book, you know, kind of what's in it, where can we get it, where can we find it, and then how can we follow you? Yeah, I mean, all these different things, man, keep it easy. I'll give you a few, but the, the, the real quick is you go to NassauInvest.com, N-A-S-S-A-U, invest, I-N-V-E-S-T-S.com, uh, where you can find my book, From Broke to Millions. It talks about everything, how I literally went from broke and, and started doing large multi-units. And I go into detail how to calculate, how to analyze it as well. And then also, if you ever want to think about, look, you know, I enjoyed that. I think that I want to do further with, you know, sign up for a strategy session at nasainvest.com backslash strategy. And you'll sign up and one of my team players will sit with talk to you. Like, man, look, even if you don't take a class, we help people that like, look, can you just help me with this deal. I don't understand what I did. We save people literally over millions of dollars from simply just tell them no. Okay. <laughs> That's incorrect. And please don't ever do that again. And if I see it, I'm going to tell your mama. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So guys, you heard it. Go to NassauInvest.com. That way you can reach Mike, get everything that Mike has, man, and, and learn even more about his story. So Mike, in parting, man, what's some words of encouragement you can tell a struggling investor, somebody that's looking to get started, or somebody that's that's at that rock bottom state that may be living in the basement of mom's house and everything like that, and they're trying to get back on their feet? Yeah, the only thing I can tell you, man, you'll never win if you quit. You know, that's one of the the the, the, the things is, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, how do you get there? I mean, there's no way I can get there. Well, I'll tell you, the harder you work, the luckier you get. By mm-hmm. putting in that work, by putting in that effort, by putting in consistency and being disciplined and making the commitment. Because, you know, the, the thing about it, it's not that it's, it, it's the thing about being successful. It's really not hard. Mm-hmm. You find an idea, a vision, and you commit to it. The thing that's hard is take being committed to committed. it because what's going to happen, I can show you exactly what to do. You just got to practice it over and over again. Like I share with, with the kids, they, they was like, they look like naturals. I was like, because they did it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to do it at least a thousand times? Do you know what kind of commitment it takes to do that? Like you literally have to schedule a day. You know how many drop passes you got to make? I'm not talking about being thrown to a thousand times. I'm talking about catching. Catching. Right? Most people ain't catching that much in one lifetime uh, or, or even a couple of seasons. True. Right? And so what I'm saying to you is, you know, you got to put that work in over and over. And look, you're going to do it wrong. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Just don't quit and be committed. Because, look, you, I'm going to tell you now, you're going to screw up. You're going to fail. You're going to get frustrated. And that's the tough part, getting back up. Because guess what? As soon as you get back up, you're going to get punched in the face again and knock right back down. Yeah. And you got to get back up again. Especially whenever you're challenging yourself to do something that you've never done before. You've yeah. never done it before. So you have to expect that you're, there's going to be some level of failure 
And once you hit that level of failure, then it's like, okay, I got to get back up because I've never done this before. So let me find the person that have done it before. And let me kind of piggyback off of them and bounce ideas off of them and say, hey, what do you think about this? And be willing to accept that word that you use, Mike. No, be willing to accept that no and say, okay, you know what? This person knows more than me. He said no, or she said no. Let me ask them why no. And because they said no, now let me go in another direction and see if I can still come out with a positive outcome. That's right. That's right. So, Mike, I want to appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being here, man. I'm pretty sure and I know that the family, the We Love Equity family, really gained some insights and some inspiration and encouragement from you and your story on today. Brother, I applaud you for everything that you're doing. It's an inspiration to me. I know you know my guy, John Kasman. You know, both of you guys are doing some amazing things in the multifamily space, you know, in a, in a larger deal space. So thank you. And I really appreciate you being here. Hey, thank you. And thank you for sharing your platform with me, man. And look, man, to all your listeners, man, hey, you're just one big deal away, baby. Just put that work in. Appreciate you, you go, having guys. me on, brother. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I am ready to expand my vision of what I have on my vision board to doing larger deals, doing more things. Anytime you can talk to somebody that's buying hotels and transitioning hotels, you know, that lets you know that, hey, flipping single families, things like that, if that's what you want to do, fine. Just do it on a greater and grander scale and then do things that fits within your life. If you want to live the life that you want, the possibilities are out there. The possibilities are endless. I just wanted to have Michael on today to share his thoughts, to share what he's doing, to share how he started from nothing, gained it, lost it all, gained it back, and now challenging himself to even more and greater deals. So again, guys, you know what to do. Take action. Get out there. Remember that the opportunities are out there. You just have to have the right perspective. Open up your eyes and see the positives and the negatives that's around you. It's Marcus Maloney, the Equity King. I'm signing off. Remember, if you have not become a family member, make sure you subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You know, friend me on Facebook and Instagram. All of my handles are down below. All of my handles are at MRCS Maloney. We would love to join you. We would love to provide more content like this to keep you inspired and to keep you going. So remember, as always, to enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview 
or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.